Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation, basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. Big Blue Drew joined by Aaron Gershon, and we do have a special guest today. Um, I'm sitting next to on I-64 West, Travis Graff from Cats Illustrated. So we got a logistical nightmare for the podcast today, but we're pretty pumped about it. Uh, Travis, thanks for coming on, dude. Thanks for having me. It was a second time that we've uh, carpooled up to Lexington from Louisville. First game that we carpooled was the Evansville debacle, so yeah, glad to get things back on track today. I forgot you guys about that. Did not jinx it this time. Nice, like even the opposite of that. The Cats played great, but uh, and then yeah, so Aaron, um, Travis and I are driving back to Louisville from Lexington tonight, Sunday. Kentucky just smashed Lamar and Aaron. You are actually not in town either, correct? Yeah, I, I will. I'm back in Connecticut for a week. I'll be back. Friday night, so is it UAB Friday night that basketball game? I think I can't even keep track of all these non-conference teams, but I'll miss that one. I'll be back for uh, to cover the Louisville game Saturday at noon, which should be a really should be a really fun game. Uh, highly competitive, that's for sure. Way different than the game we saw last year, Louisville. Yeah, for sure. So that's kind of the reason we delayed this week's episode. Obviously, it's just a weird scheduling time of year. We have three games in three days with Kentucky playing basketball against Mount St. Mary's on Friday. I know the three of us were there. Then football yesterday, you guys were there. And then um, Travis and I at basketball tonight. So tons of stuff going on. Hopefully the audio is decent on this episode. I know that it's not going to be as, as clear as normal. But again, we're up against a logistical nightmare today on the Cats by 90 podcast. But uh, we're not going to shy away from the norm, though. So we are going to get into the In My Feelings segment get a few things off our chest as um before we start another work week and all that but um my thing that pissed me off this week is going to be easy because it just happened but um Lamar's coach at the podium just pissed me off a little bit tonight I don't know if you saw me tweet that or not Aaron but like for the listeners that, that maybe aren't going to hear about it the dude so this is how it started Aaron you know Neely asked him hey give your opening statement he looks at him like all cross-eyed and is like y'all watched the game didn't you why do I got to give an opening statement about it so didn't start off on the right foot he proceeds to go on giving a rather long opening statement and Aaron I kid you not like every single question he was asked he basically just made the excuse of his team is too little they're not big and strong like Kentucky so what were they supposed to do it was extremely ass night yeah I was watching a little bit of the video he sent me over so we can post it on our site and I you know, it's the complete opposite, really, of every other coach that's come in here this year, um, win or loss. Obviously, I didn't have to win, but you, know, you saw the Mount St. Mary's coach and their uh, student-athletes show class after the loss. DK, we knew what you were going to get with Coach Hamilton, but yeah, I was kind of surprised to see that, and I, I know I was reading up a little bit on Lamar before the game, and I know they had, I guess they were 4-1, and one, and they had, I guess, a better um resume early on and better roster than some of the teams UK has seen but uh, to me it sounded like he was almost came in expecting something and was pissed off as a result of it and I get being pissed off after a loss but no reason to be a douchebag that's for sure 
Yeah, what did you think about that, Travis? Am I just like totally being oversensitive about this, or was he just like complaining they were too little? Oh no, I thought he was definitely like everything. Every one of his answers somehow came back to they were too small. Uh, they they were scared when they got in the paint. Like just kept on repeating the same stuff over and over again. And he said that they watched the Evansville tape, and if you watch the Evansville tape, Evansville's close to the same size of Lamar, so they they didn't complain about it. Yeah, he was definitely agitated, but whatever. They took their Lamar, took their L. They're also the Cardinals, which I thought was funny. So get to beat the Cardinals twice this week, hopefully. But um, I'm, I'm moving along with uh, what made me feel good this week, um, which was really easy. Um, Thanksgiving week. Lots to always be thankful for and happy for around this time of the year. I spent some time with my family earlier. And um, Amy from Big Blue Express was doing a really good job, Aaron, um, at the questioning the player. She talked to, like, every player just kind of, like, you know who's the cook in your family and this and that and you can just really see it on the players face i think a few of them are like it really hit them they're like dang you know i'm not going to be home for thanksgiving this year and how different that is and you know how much the people here now are their family like even kind of us you know that are we're who they see now you know not their family so it was uh, kind of made me feel good just thinking about thanksgiving and it was neat to see the players kind of just reflect and and give uh, shout outs to the the cooks and their family and some of their um, family's thanksgiving traditions Absolutely. Uh, Tough for 17, or I guess not 17, 18-year-old kids, man. I mean, (laughs) this is their first time away from home, but not only are they away from home, but they're in the spotlight, and they're pretty much everyone sees them but their family, so it must be tough, but glad to hear about that. That is a great idea from Amy over there. What about you, Aaron? I know you're running on little sleep, so I feel like you have pretty easy ones for you. What's going on with you this week? Uh, what pissed me off is the reason I was delayed getting on this call is I realized I totally forgot my entire toiletry bag with all my prescription oh, medication and my... That's the one thing yeah, you can't so, forget. Yeah, so I'm uh, a little bit freaking out. Got to call a bunch of doctors in the morning now, so not really looking forward to that. Damn. Um, so that's what pissed me off, and that's what sucks about traveling is I always seem to forget something, and this time I managed to forget the most important thing I could have <laughs> forgotten, so... That's on the bad, but on the good, I gotta, you know, kind of go with what you were saying. It's good to be back here. I mean, I don't get to come home as much, nearly as much as I would like to. So, good to be back in Connecticut for a week, see the family a little bit, and then get back to work on Saturday morning. Good stuff, good stuff. All right, Travis, well, you're your first time on the Cats by 90 podcast, brought to you by SB Nations, a sea of blue. So, what is some stuff that pissed you off and uh, made you feel good this week? All right, something that pissed me off is looking at my gas tank right now uh started off the weekend on with the full tank and then three trips to lexington uh from louisville this weekend to cover uh two basketball games and a football game i'm clearly on e right now that'll do it and something that something that made me happy this weekend was in the post-game interviews tyrese maxey was asked what what he was thankful for this season this uh thanksgiving season and he said that uh he's he's grateful that his dad got to travel up and be with him and some family members this weekend or uh, throughout this week and that's a big deal for him because their family's going through a lot right now his dad's been ill um, recently so that's something that made me happy good good stuff yeah i heard you mention that to me when we were walking out and you you can tell that uh tyrese max especially his family's really really important to him um he talks about them a lot and he's also a big avengers fan i learned today I asked him what his favorite movie was, and he's like very rapid-fire Avengers. Spider-Man's his favorite Avengers. So um, a lot of light stuff after the game today, but that's how it goes when you bust up a team by 20 points. And I guess that's a good place to start, too, guys, is um, basketball, just since it's fresh on our mind. But 
Let's, I mean, we really take a look back now. Kentucky's put together 60 strong minutes of play. Um, when you look at the last 20 minutes versus Mount St. Mary's and then pretty much the whole game today, there, there was a few stretches here and there where they kind of let, let Lamar creep back in it. But overall, I mean, definitely their best performance um, since the EKU game, no doubt about it. And, you know, they get away with a 20-point win. Lots of statistical things to be happy about. The Cats made 10 threes. Junior Nick Richards flirted with a triple-double. Um, how did it look on TV, Aaron? I know you know it's always different from, from Press Row, the, the view that you get. But um, what stood out to you today? And, you know, is this fool's gold? Or do you think this last 60 minutes is kind of reflective of um, what we're going to see moving forward with Kentucky basketball? No, I don't think it's fool's gold. I think, if anything, fool's gold. It's the Evansville game. I mean, you're looking at a team that was banged up. And you know what? They were – I mean, the hangover effect of being the number one team in the country looked pretty damn real. But, you know – that game took so much away from the Michigan State win. I mean, you go in and beat the number one team in the country and Cassius Winston, who might just be the best player in the country, just going into the season at least, just given his experience. And, I mean, I know the score is only a six-point win, but they beat them pretty good. I mean, it felt like a win really from early on to the end. So, kind of try to keep that. I tried to keep that game in the back of my mind, even after the Evansville game and the Utah Valley and the bad first half against Mount St. Mary's, but yeah, no, on TV, they look just as good as I'm sure they look there. I mean, Nick Richards just looks completely different this year. I think it's safe to say we're finally going to get the Nick Richards that um, everyone was expecting when he signed here as a five-star freshman um, in 17, and he's finally going to live up to the hype. It definitely looks like that, and Tyrese Maxey today, man, he looked just like he did the last time I watched him on TV, which was at the Garden. He was he's faster than anyone on the court, more confident than anyone in the court, smiling more than anyone in the court. So good to watch. And I also thought Keon Brooks did a lot of good things. I thought he got a lot of minutes, which I know Travis has been wanting for him. And I thought he did pretty dang well with those minutes, even though it didn't necessarily pop up on the stat sheet. Yeah, Travis was just talking about Keon Brooks starting to get the bulk of those minutes at the four spot. But I will say, too, Travis, the Cats really screwed you because on Friday when we were sitting next to each other, you put on Twitter that they were going to hit 10 threes. They did not. And tonight they did hit 10 threes. Oh, yeah, I was just one game early on that. I was, I've, I've seen them getting into more rhythm over the past couple of um, over the past couple of games. They just haven't fallen, but they're getting uh, – the passes are more crisp crisp there's more ball movement uh more inside out action and they just fell tonight and hopefully they uh hopefully they gain some confidence shooting moving forward because tonight they were shooting every three like they were supposed to go in whereas before in previous games they were shooting them hoping that they were going in they kind of look like prayers half the time yeah i completely agree i try to do a lot of like reactionary photo taking so like i'll watch for the three to go up and then i kind of just focus my camera in on the player and tonight it just felt like i was waiting for the crowd to erupt like you're right they were shooting with more confidence um and man emmanuel quickly i feel like it's kind of like you know becoming a very like under the radar consistent scoring option for kentucky i have no idea how many points he scored tonight i know he had a couple threes he had a nice driving layup but his offensive game is really improving and you know when you can have ashton Hagens in the game who's also playing pretty phenomenal over the last um 60 minutes tyrese maxi i mean that trio of guards is great and then gosh nick richards if you're going to sacrifice all these preseason or these early season woes to potentially have this Nick Richards for the rest of the season, I mean, you have to take that all day because he is playing like a game-changing college basketball player, is he not, Aaron? Oh, yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> it, it, night and day. I mean, it, like I said, I mean, this is what Kentucky expected from him. Uh, freshman year was obviously not great. It looked like early on as a sophomore, he's going to turn around. I mean, remember that second game of the year, I think he had, what, 19 rebounds and a double-double, closing on a triple-double that game. And then, I mean, what is this now? Three double-doubles tonight. He had a career-high seven blocks, was closing in on a triple-double. I mean, and the biggest thing for me, and it's kind of what the players have said too, is he just looks more confident out there and more active. You see he's banging on the floor with energy on defense. He's wanting to go match up with these smaller guards who he knows are faster than them, but he feels like he could, you know, just swat any shot that comes near him. And he just looks different this year, man. It's finally the Nick Richards that, you know, John Calcary knew um, he had. He just didn't know when he was going to get it. And I think, I mean, I know it's, what, six games in against only one great opponent, but I, I don't know. It looks real to me. You all just talk, uh, touched on Emmanuel quickly and Nick Richards, and I, after the game, I posted something on Cats Illustrated that I think that Kentucky's developed a solid nucleus of four players, including them two, plus Mac, uh, plus Maxie and Higgins. That you know what they're going to consistently get uh, from those four night in, night out, and I think the next step moving forward is developing the rotation and getting the most out of the rotation. And, and something I'm going to be looking uh, for the most over the next couple of weeks is the individual player minutes, uh, especially at the four spot. And I think that collectively uh, a role player that, like you all said, I've been adv- advocating that's going to be uh, Keon Brooks ab- above anybody else. They need a fifth dude that can step up and give them consistent minutes. Yeah, I agree. And I think that th- it, that might have to be by committee because I've been saying that for the last few weeks that I agree I feel like those four guys are going to give you pretty a consistent approach. They, those four guys have to play a lot of minutes, and it's going to be, you know, is it Nate Sestina? Is it EJ Montgomery? Is it Keon Brooks? Is it um, Khalil Whitney, who's really not playing his potential? So, you know, if they can get a little something out of two of those four or five guys each game and then know what you're getting out of Hagens quickly, uh, Maxie, and Nick Richards, I think this team, you know, still has a chance to be a national championship contender. But there is still a lot left to be desired, and uh, me and me and Trav particularly like hating on Keon uh, Khalil Whitney because it's just so frustrating, man. Like I thought that his whole game again was going to be like similar to a Hamadou Diallo or Archie Goodwin, where he was just going to kind of be a wrecking ball slasher, make you scratch your head and pull your hair out sometimes, but that he was a playmaker and he really has no ability to uh, to do any of that. It's kind of just um, you know every now and then he can slash to the rim and get a dunk. He has that pull-up jump shot, but you can't really just throw him the ball and have him create offense, which I think at times can slow Kentucky down on that end of the floor. But I'm not saying he's a bad player or anything. He's just not the type of player that I expected um, going into this season. Something else no, that would but... be uh, like really, like really uh, understated uh, need for this team right now is. They, they could use – Ju Zhang doesn't have to be a world beater, but they could definitely use him to be that Kyle, Kyle Wilcher role in a different position, come in and just hit one or two threes a game and, like, cause the other team to take a timeout, uh, get the crowd into it type of deal. But he's been so – like, he's swimming now big time. Yep. 100%. I mean, Ju Zhang – kind of can be an X factor like you said he doesn't have to be a world beater because there's so many guys on this team that can can, can can combine to be one but 
yeah, they need something out of him. They need just a three a game would be enough, in my opinion, for right now to be enough out of him. But you know, he's a, it's a really interesting spot with him because the way Kentucky's team is setting up for next year with all the guards that Cal's already signed, it, where's Juzang really fit into all that? So to me, it's he's got to either prove to scouts that he could be a one and done, or he could be looking at kind of like a Jamal Baker where he's just run out of town and ends up transferring. I wouldn't be surprised about either of those two scenarios because I think he has the talent to emerge as that, but at the same time, will he get the minutes and have the time to play where he can prove he can do that? So he's a, he's a really interesting guy. That's why I think he's the next factor on the team. Yeah, and I hate to throw this out there, being that's not even Thanksgiving yet, but I definitely think Juzang's a transfer risk, just the way that things are shaping up this season and then what's coming in next year. But so much can go into that. He could have one big game in the tournament and, and turn all that, you know, speculation around. It's way too early, but there is a path for him potentially not finding his role on this team or next year's team. But it really surprises me too, guys. Like we went through like the players that we think are consistent options for Kentucky. And Nate Sestina is like nowhere in that realm. I think everybody's really surprised that he's not giving you, um, I guess, kind of what you thought. He's not playing terrible. I know he's um, he's been getting scolded for his defense. I thought he played a little bit better defense tonight. He is still consistently getting beat off the dribble, which is concerning considering we haven't really played the bulk of the athletic teams that we're going to play, especially once we get into conference play. We know that the SEC has the best athletes in the country, so... How surprised are you, Aaron? I guess that you know here we are six games in now. Kentucky's five and one, and Nate Sestina has not really established himself as a consistent player on this roster. Yeah, I think inconsistent's the perfect word, really. Because look, it, they don't win the Michigan State game without him. Eastern Kentucky, he's, he had a double double. Besides Nick Richards, he's the best player on the floor. And since then, it's like, what the hell has happened? I mean, I think all three of us were up there against BKU and we're like man this is an upgrade over what we had in Reed Travis last year but now it's a little worrisome he's getting like you said he's getting blown by every once in a while it seems like he's still adjusting to the I guess big stage at UK but yeah they need him if they he's, he's definitely somebody they need because they're already slim in the de- uh, depth chart when it comes to um, forward positions I mean Richard should be fine but you don't really know with Montgomery still, I don't think we can call Montgomery the consistent player at all yet. Um, I think he's played okay since coming back from the injury. He's, to me, he still looks a little hobbled out there from the TV perspective, so we'll see if that injury has any long-term effects on him. But if they if they want to be the team they want to be, they need to get the Sistina they had the two first games of the season and even the preseason. He was, he was arguably the best player they had during the preseason. What do you think, Trav? Because I know you, and I agree with you, I think they really need to start mixing Keon Brooks in there because he's just, there's just so much talent there. But do you do you think Nate's going to be that, be able to be that guy come the spring? Or is he just always going to kind of be some somebody you sprinkle in and are hoping for the best? Well, I think that, I think when all this uh, Nate's Stanton hype started was during UK's pro day when he was splashing threes. And then he had a solid scrimmage in the blue-white game. Then he had a couple of solid exhibition games and then played really well against Michigan State and Eastern Kentucky. But you have to remember, coming into this season, Kentucky wanted to add another big, and Nate Sestina was not called upon to be the first or second option in the front court on this year's roster. And that's kind of what he was thrust into. And I think what he has given you the past couple of games is what he what is going to be consistent for him 
uh, from here on out because that's what he was brought here to do. He wasn't brought here to score 12 points and grab eight rebounds a game. He was brought here to be like a six and four guy off the bench or a six and five guy off the bench. And I, I think that uh, his early performances put a lot of um, what's where I'm looking for a lot of uh, high expectations on him. Yeah, I think that that's fair. But one positive thing I th- I think we can throw in about Nate Sestina is all of the three of us have been around him. We've heard him talk. We've seen him at practices. We've seen him before games, after games. If there's any guy that's going to figure it out, it's him. He's going to do what he has to do um, to kind of you know find minutes, find ways to help this team. So I'm confident of that. And I think as the team develops their identity, I think it'll be a little bit easier for Nate to figure out where exactly he fits into that. And um, Aaron, I know you've heard this too, but it's like a broken record now, man, here in Lexington. The, the key phrase right now is just camp cow, camp cow, camp cow. Players, coaches, everyone's kind of just hanging on right now, trying to win these games, get as good as they can. But ultimately, they're waiting for these camp cow opportunities to have extended practices, extended time together to try different things. And so now I guess the Cats will have UAB on Friday, Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving. And then they'll move after that. It's like I think the five or six straight weeks where they just play on Saturday – they have uh, Fairley Dickinson and then uh, uh, Georgia Tech. And then from there, it's like I, th- I think maybe Utah gets mixed into there. But it's like very much more spread out games than it is like right now with Friday, Sunday. But I'm sure, Aaron, you've heard that a lot covering all the press conferences and media opportunities. But this team's really, really in need of and looking forward to Camp Cal. Yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Um like you said, it's a broken record. They've talked about it over and over again. Um, and I think that'll help them a lot because they can just focus on basketball, you know, get finals out of the way, whatever classes they got, and just focus on basketball and get better as a group. And I think, I mean, I know Kentucky opened SEC play with that loss to Alabama last year, but if you kind of look at where they were, you know, they had to really not win against Louisville. Um, I guess that was probably after a little bit of the Camp Cal stuff, but they really turned it on. They even played pretty well in that Alabama loss. So they and the SEC play, I thought they had a pretty damn good slate. So I mean, it definitely should help this team. And I think this team, which is, the good thing about this team is, despite the Evansville loss, I still think they're ahead. Like Cal Terry said, has said this too. Is I think they're ahead of where they were last year with growth. Because if you remember, I mean, at this point, they still could not even. <laughs> they would be giving up 70 points. They could not defend the three. They could not rebound. This team has had issues with that as well, but not nearly as bad as last year. And the year before that was even worse. So I think this team's already ahead of where they were at this point last year. And Camp Cal could be even better for this team. And I think, I think with, uh, really, there's so much parity in college basketball this year. There's no, you know, Duke looking world beater like they had last year. And I think that's going to help too. The SEC outside of Auburn and Tennessee has not looked good at all yeah that's a good point because i even when you're saying that i was like to be honest i was kind of rolling my eyes like really but you're right now that i think back i remember early in the season how that team could not keep anybody in front of them they could not protect the three-point line there was a lot of question marks as i guess my mind is kind of just left with how good they were at the end of the season and definitely were good enough to make the final four so good points there because they have you know maybe they are farther along than this team they have some um, some good weapons, and we know what Cal does. So th- this, you know, in two months, this team probably will look a lot different. But um, I'm anxious to get your feet. Go ahead, real quick. Real quick, yeah. I think the thing with last year's team is I think their offense was ahead of where the offense is this year. 
which is fine, but the defense this year is way ahead of the defense UK had last year. Despite the Utah Valley game and the Evansville game, I still think this defense is in way better shape than they were at this point a year ago. And at the end of the day, that's more important because we all know the offense is going to come. Yep, yep, good point, good point. Um, real quick, though, I know both of you guys covered the football game yesterday. I was the smartest man alive and skipped it because I know it was brutal all around. But uh, let's take a quick um, commercial break real quick for some sponsors, and then I want to get your guys' uh, feedback on football. All right, and we're back on the Cats by 90 podcast. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon, and joined by Travis Graff tonight. So, Travis, I know you're a big football guy um, working with Cats Illustrated for Rivals. Um, I mean, it's pretty blatantly obvious Kentucky did what they should have done against UT Martin, but just what were your takeaways from the um, second-to-last regular season football game of the year? Uh, like you said, Kentucky did what they should have done. They went in there and thoroughly dominated from start to finish. Um, the, the key thing that stuck out to me was Kentucky was still able to impose their will while playing super vanilla on offense and defense, not giving, anything, uh, not giving Louisville anything new to look at on in the film room. And – the biggest thing probably for Kentucky moving forward was they were able to get a lot of their red charting players some quality reps in the second half. The second, third, fourth strings, hell, even fifth strings in some positions uh, were getting the majority of the snaps in the second half. But I think the main thing was they didn't – like I said they were playing vanilla. They didn't let Lynn Bowden run the ball very much. Uh, outside of a few plays. And having him and everybody else completely healthy going into the Louisville game is huge. What do you? What about you, Aaron? Well, that's a real quick. That's a really good point by Travis and Lynn Bowden. Lynn Bowden talked about it a little bit more sarcastically after the game, but he was asked exactly that. Like it sounds like because they talked about having a lot of new wrinkles by the time they played Louisville. And Lynn was asked how nice it was to you know put the game away and not show those, and all. he just put his finger to his lips and said, "That's all I got." So. They definitely have a lot in store for Louisville that they did not show in UT Martin. But, yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy analysis. They whooped UT Martin like they should have. I think they even played – I mean, I thought they'd win by a good margin. But putting up 50 points with, you know, you have walk-on Tyler Marcray with a 45-yard touchdown, a bunch of walk-ons getting to play. Um, I really thought um, the defense really – I think it was either – it might have been you and I, Travis, talking after the game where this this Kentucky team, 3-4 deep, is just so much better than it was at the beginning of the Stoops era when he was still left with Joker Phillips' pieces. I mean, these guys playing obviously looked raw, but you could see the potential that they could one day be guys on this team. And that's something you got to credit Coach Stoops for, and you got to give Stoops so much freaking credit with this year's team, man. He lose three quarterbacks, you lose your best two players from a year ago, you lose your entire secondary, and your secondary is better this year, you find a way to a bowl game, and um, just, you gotta just take, tip your hat to that. Yeah, I think I saw a tweet this week that was like, you know, Kentucky can still win eight football games, and they, Mark Stoops has basically redshirted, what, like 18 true freshmen? So, I mean, They've, every single true freshman on the team is redshirted. So, it's unbelievable, you know, when you think about where Kentucky football was before he got there to, you know, f- kind of finding them in the middle of the pack of the SEC this year with a really, really good roster assembled for next year. But um, we're getting very close to the end of our carpooling destination here, me me and Travis. So, um, I definitely want to get your guys' thoughts on the Louisville game. Obviously, biggest rivalry game um, of football and basketball. It's our biggest rival. 
Kentucky did what they were supposed to do. All the pressure's off for the most part, other than it being a rivalry game. They've achieved their their bowl win or their bowl eligibility. The thing with me on this game, and I'll let you guys talk, is that Louisville just can't stop anybody. They're giving up almost 33 points a game. Their offense is all predicated, you know, on heavy hitter plays, which Kentucky just doesn't give up. So I like the um, Kentucky's chances in this one. I think that they'll do well. And if if they if they get to that mark, that 33-point mark that Louisville's given up every game, I think they've given up 45 points in seven of their 11 games this year. I just don't see them being able to beat Kentucky because the, Kentucky's just not going to surrender that many points, I don't think. Something yeah, else. I mean, I, I, go ahead, Charles. I'll let you go first. I know your carpool's in. <laughs> uh, some, something I wanted to touch on real quick on the uh, depth chart situation we were talking about the other day on our podcast uh kentucky has always had first stringers that could compete in the sec but once you had to sub in that second third string it was just jimmy's and joe's didn't compare (laughs) and then i had john young on our cat scan podcast last week and he said the goal that everybody's looking forward to is like everybody redshirting next year and when you have guys like justin rogers that is going to be a borderline redshirt and he's a five-star. That's never been done before at Kentucky. Um, being able to redshirt red quality, that's how programs get built. And that's that shows that Kentucky didn't just build for that 10-win season a year ago. They're building a program moving forward. But in terms of the Louisville game, uh, Drew hit it right on the head. Louisville's best offense is predicated on drives that – uh, have explosive plays of over tw- of o- over 20 yards, and Kentucky's explosive play defense is top 10 or 15. I forget exactly what number in the country in um, in yeah in explosive play defense. And I think Kentucky's going to be able to just run the ball down their throats repeatedly. And I think that the only way what Louisville wants to have happen is them get a about 14 gaslight. Yeah, there it went. <laughs> about 14 points. Early, I've, if I was them, I'd want to receive the ball because Kentucky does not want to get in a track meet with them, despite how much, how um, how bad their defense is. And I think Kentucky's going to play Virginia style, Virginia basketball style football, and that they'll just sustain long drives and limit Louisville's possessions. All right, real quick, Aaron, we're here. What do you think, man? What happens on Saturday, Cats yeah. and Cards? Well, real quick, I want to. I, I know some of our listeners may not love it, but I got to give a huge tip of the cap to Scott Satterfield and what he's doing over there at Louisville. I mean. Last year, Petrina left that program in shambles. The team simply hated playing for that guy. Um, they go 2-10. and ten. Kentucky absolutely stomps all over them on their home field. And this year, they're a 7-win football team, and they could still, get this, make the Orange Bowl. They really can with a win. So it's nuts what Satterfield's done and the attitude change there. But like you guys said, I love the matchup for UK because – like, I mean, everything you said, Louisville relies on the big play, and their defense is not great. All their wins, if you look at them, are pretty much all high scoring, except for EKU, who didn't score on them, but they're FCS. So I think Kentucky matches up really well because they do a damn good job of stopping the big play. And offensively, they're going to be able to run the ball down their throats. Lynn is going to eventually be able to find some room, especially with the offensive line UK's gotten packed. And, you know, there are some key seniors on this team, like, Calvin Taylor, Cash Daniel, Logan Stenberg, and UK's definitely those are three guys that have really helped turn this thing around, and they're going to want to send them off the right way, and I really like the matchup on paper. I think Louisville definitely, if they can get up early like Travis said, or get a play a big play or two, then Kentucky's in a lot of trouble because their offense, I think 
this Kentucky team is just not one you want to get down by too much. I know they've had the comebacks already this year, but if they get down by two or three scores to this little team, I think their defense might lose some confidence because it is still young, and that could be a big, big uh, problem. But I think UK's big play ability to stop the big plays what gives them a good matchup here and should bring a win. Yeah, I think we all agree, Cats win. That was, that was a good point, though, about Kentucky not getting down too far. And One thing that I'll end it on is the fact that it, analysis in this thing is really hard because the emotions are going to be raring at noon on Saturday. It's always a lot in that first quarter about which team kind of handles that better and, and uh, kind of centers that emotion and to good play on the field because a lot of times stats and stuff are out in these rivalry games when it comes to Kentucky and Louisville. But appreciate everybody that's listening. Of, real quick, that's a hell of a point. Because if you look at the last two times these teams have played, 2017, you had the Lamar Jackson fight that Jordan Jones kind of instigated. That game was one-sided for Louisville. Last year, Louisville had a godly amount of unsportsmanlike, and obviously we know how that was. So really good point there. Yep, so we'll have to kind of see how it shapes up. I'm excited. I think I'm doing photos at the game Saturday. I know we'll all three be there. And appreciate everybody listening to the uh, Cats by 90 podcast. Thanks to Travis Graff for jumping on. You can check out his podcast, too, the Cat Scam Podcast. And you can follow him at Trav underscore Graff on Twitter. And you can find my work at Cat you know, Cats Illustrated on the Rivals Network. Good stuff. Good episode. Good weekend. Um, three wins by Kentucky this weekend in a three-day stretch, so that's always nice. Um, we appreciate everybody listening. We will holler at you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon99 and at BigBlueDrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.